You're very welcome along to another Sessi Staff Room. The Sessi Staff Room is a podcast for teachers, about teachers, directed towards teachers. We're delighted to have Michael Hallisey in the Sessi Staff Room today. Now, before I go across to Michael, uh, let me tell you a bit about the podcast, the Sessi Staff Room, from now moving forward. So, Sessi is 50 years old, and I joked about this in a recent post on the Sessi list. If you're not on the Sessi list, then I'd suggest you get onto it. Sessi.ie. It's a community of teachers. They talk ed tech, they talk education, and the threads go on and on. So if you're a teacher, if you're in education, then you want to be on the SESI list. So I mentioned in the SESI list that SESI is 50. So it begs the question, which came first, computers in education or the Society for Computers in Education? And Sessi is 50. When, when myself and John spoke about this, John is, is Magic Superfly producer John Heffernan, uh, who, who, who's always hiding in the background with a big stick. When I suggested to him we want to do something about Sessi is 50, we said, how about we get all the people from the start of Sessi? So let's find out and let's use that overused Steve Jobs line, and I, I use it myself quite a bit. Let's, let's look back to join the dots moving forward. Because Sessi is still moving forward. And without even thinking, he said, Michael Hallisey, he's the man. He's the first one to open this up. So, Michael, you're very welcome to the Sessi staff room. Thank you, Hassan. It's a pleasure. Michael, former primary school teacher, your introduction to Sessi, what was it? Yeah, well, I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm a bit amused that, uh, you know, you're you're thinking of me as one of the early people in SESI because I probably came into it, you know, probably 10 or 15 years after it was started. Uh, I think my first introduction to it was uh, to the, the great Dr. Elizabeth Oldham in Trinity College, Dublin. And I uh, trained as a primary teacher in Colossus de Vera Marino um, on Griffith Avenue, and we had a wonderful uh, uh, president at the time, uh, brother Plunkett Nolan, God be good to him. And we had an Apple Mac in the art room. And that was my introduction to computers. And Plunkett and myself and a couple of others used to play with it in, you know, we used to uh, work with logo and basic programming and different things. And then when I graduated from Marino after three years, in those days, you did a fourth year in Trinity, which was your, it was called your honours degree. And I luckily did my project with Elizabeth on managing the microcomputer in the primary school. And what what does a lesson plan look like? How do you introduce? Like, <laughs> that's, well, that's yeah, that's a great question. I mean, actually, at that time, I was teaching these children, um, and I was using a, 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 some people listening today might remember it. It was an app. Uh, it was a piece of software called Mr. Pot, and. Uh, uh, I was teaching them the alphabet, okay? Well, I was trying to reinforce it or whatever I was trying to do, and I was using it uh, to motivate them, and this guy used to bounce up and down on the screen. And I didn't know how to use... I, I didn't have keyboarding skills. So at night, I went to uh, Ballymun, to the uh, comprehensive school in Ballymun, to learn how to type so that I could know where the keys were, so that, you know, so that I'd be quick. So um, a lesson plan... Uh, probably didn't even mention technology, even though I was very lucky. Uh, I was always very lucky uh, with the inspectors, the schools inspectors that I had uh, in those early years. Um, uh, one man, um, Michael Leonard, I, I, who was did my dip, was really into computers. So I was very lucky. 
Um, and, and they were always, you know, they always were supportive. I had Jimmy Kavanagh afterwards as well. And they were always very supportive of, you know, I suppose what you'd call now innovative practice. But I was always trying things out. And I, I was always trying to figure out how I could use this to help the kids to learn. That's why I was that's why I was doing it. It was that that was my focus, because I'm not very techie, actually. And I suppose when when did it turn to innovative practice? When did the teaching and learning stop and then become, well, the, if we use this, it's going to be innovative, and I'm using air quotes, yeah. of course. I, I, think, I think in fairness that happened around 94 for me. Um, I, I, I was in the school. I started teaching in, um, in Lucan in Skullvera, Woodview, Early Heights in 1986, and I left them in 1989 uh, to go off and do a master's in Boston College. And I went for one year and ended up staying for five. And I came back and I had just seen the World Wide Web, uh, the Internet. Uh, it was just starting out at the time. That's for me when innovation started in my teaching. I had a wonderful principal, Henry Tyne, uh, great colleagues on staff. My business partner actually was in that school, John Hurley. And we started really playing around with the Internet. And actually that reconnected me back in with Ceci. And it started off a whole chapter of things from 94 up to 97 when I or 98 when I went into the department because there is there's common thought out there that innovation in education sort of ran in parallels with the internet when the internet mm. came in all of a sudden it was that bit more accessible to do things as opposed to when the computer came to the classroom. When the computer came to the classroom, it was a teaching aid. When the internet came mm. to the classroom on the computer, and all of a sudden, innovative, and again, I'm using the yeah. comment, innovative learning started. Yeah, I go some of the way with that. I mean, I think I think we had wonderful, you know, that software that I talked about there on the BBC Micro. It was very simple, but it worked. It did a job for me. Uh, I think... Okay, the internet is this wonderful, wild library catalogue of stuff. Uh, in the early days, it was quite limited, actually. Um, I, I think the most important factor in all of this, and has remained to this very day, is the teacher. And the teacher being confident and competent to, not to be afraid, to use the digital uh, technologies and you know it's gone way beyond computers now in those days it was just a computer but now we have all sorts of uh, devices that we can use and that is that that's the key for me and it's the teacher who makes the decision in the moment oh we could do this and I think that is actually where the internet comes in because it allows those spur of the moment decisions and it allows you and yours and the learners to go off and maybe do something and give them access to a particular resource or an app or whatever if it is going to help them in their learning so i think that's to me is where the innovation piece comes in and i mean i have so many questions about the innovation in education and i i your so your background of what's brought you here today do you 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 come across to me as being very teacher centric? So the learning, yes, which is something I'm I'm passionate about. It has to come from the teacher. The, all this technology yeah. around us. If the teacher doesn't want to teach, it doesn't matter what you have in your classroom. Exactly, exactly. Um, and how has SESI supported this? Because SESI is very. I mean, Computers and Education Society of Ireland. That's the title, but it's it's teachers. 
um, it's it's again it's teacher centric. It's support for teachers. Yeah. Well, well, to me, and I was thinking again about this when when we were you know preparing for it. I mean, this to me, Ceci is all about people. You know, um, and in the early days, um. Uh, you know, there was some wonderful people involved in Ceci. These people were pioneers. I'm, you know, and I, you know, I'm going to name a few names, but I'm going to oh, leave people please. out. You know, but the likes of Tomas O'Brien and uh, Paddy Bates and Eddie Gilmartin and Robbie O'Leary and all of these teachers. There was many, many of them, and Ceci was an interesting mix because it brought together teachers from primary, post-primary higher education and actually from, uh, you know, uh, further education and training, uh, the VC sector at the time. So it has a very, it's always had this eclectic mix. And again, I was thinking that in those days, the computers, as I said, were quite big and we used to have to put them in the back of our cars and we would, you know, with no uh, incentive other than meeting people, drive to Black Rock Education Centre, uh, where Tomas would have organized a room or we would have went, I remember going to De La Salle and Ballyfermot. We'd arrive at eight o'clock. We'd all bring every, there could be 20 teachers in that room mm-hmm. and they all brought their own computer. So they had to lug it out of the car, up the stairs, set it up. There was a cup of tea and there was chat and people were hovering around and they were looking to see what people were doing with logo and they were looking to see what people were doing on the internet i remember uh, teaching um, paddy bates how to use html right? right and you know paddy created the the sessi website using the html that we thought at the time so it was it has always been about people and it has always been about sharing of practice which i think more and more is needed today than ever do you think that's where the pandemic uh, that that pandemic actually helped in that sense? In that we all stopped, dropped, and we had to reach out. What are you doing in your school? I love that idea of well, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah, but I, I think that's the key question. Uh, I, I agree with you. First of all, I, I think connections. It's all about connections. I mean, I do a lot of work now in the in the whole area of online and blended mm-hmm. learning. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, and and you know, people say to me, "What's the best app? And what's the best this? And what's the best that?" Actually, what what we focus on mostly is on discussions and how you can create good discussion, whether it's online or whether you're back in the classroom. So I think those connections and sharing and that question, what are you doing? How are you doing it? These are the key questions teachers want answered. And also, you know, particularly, I was primary, but particularly at post-primary, if you're a subject teacher, you love your subject. And you really want to know, if you're a maths teacher, how can I use digital technology to support me in my teaching and also to help ultimately me, my students learn? So it's a very you know, having conversations with like-minded people, and that's what Ceci brought together. It brought together a group of people. Uh, we were probably very different at the time because you have to remember in the 1980s and the 1990s, computers in our schools were in a separate space. They were not actually in the classrooms. You went to the computer room like the pencil room. So we were a particular tribe. We were probably, people were afraid of us or they, you know, and if you had one of us in your school, it was seen as, oh, that's great. Yeah. But things have changed dramatically since then. Have they though? 
I think they do. I think they shall. And I will. Yeah, they really change that much. Well, what I mean is, what I mean is that there is now an expectation, at least, that digital is part of everybody's responsibility. Okay. Okay. And we are surrounded by. We live in a digital society. Okay. Uh, There's a lot happening in the area of digital competencies about from a citizen's point of view. So we have a duty of care to teach our children at all levels how to be safe, how to use these tools and how to use them creatively and productively. Mm -hmm. You know, I think so. I do think it has changed. And, you know, we often we're great in Ireland at criticizing ourselves. But I actually think because I do a lot of work at the European level in the policy area, a lot of what we have done since 1997 uh, in the policy area has been very good and it has taken time, but there is a lot of joined up thinking in our own department and among our support services in this area. So I do think fundamentally there we have changed. It's no longer, you know, Michael Hallisey or John Hurley are the uh, computer experts in their school. Of course, there's a long way to go. Teachers, we, we have to constantly help them to become more confident and competent. But I think we're we're well on the road. Um, sorry for... Th- uh, that was completely off-centre. That's all right. <laughs> I, I, it's something something I feel I feel very strongly about. Um, yeah. So this, if we bring it back to back to back to Ceci, what what do you think? And I, I think you've answered this a little bit. What do you think the greatest impact of Ceci was? Well, I mean, I think it's had a. I think I think in the early days, in particular, uh, when I was very active in it, the, the the whole area of digital education was niche, and it brought a focus. It put a spotlight on this thing called computers in education. Um, and it it was very instrumental uh, in it, you know, and particularly in the background, I suppose, you know, uh, there, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of focus now at a European level on whole government um, consultation and stakeholder involvement, etc. Mm, yeah. Ceci were there from the very beginning. Again, I've mentioned Elizabeth Oldham. I mean, some of the earliest documents about computers and education were developed by Elizabeth. She wrote them. And they were they were sessy, uh, they were they were position papers, if you like, from the Computer Education Society of Ireland. So that was being taken on board inside in the department. The first digital strategy for schools that was developed um, in the department had two active sessy members involved in in that project. One was a great friend of mine, Cyril Drury, who at the time was a, a teacher um, in Wesley College and myself. Cyril was there on the post-primary side, and I was there on the primary side. Uh, Cyril, I hope he doesn't mind, he's a little older than me. I was the the novice, and he guided me through the process. So the fingerprints of the very first digital strategy for schools in 1997, which at a time was a really exciting time in Irish education for digital, um, because this now put a strategy in place for digital education, which we didn't have before. Now, I must add very quickly that there was a lot happening for probably 10 years before that, maybe even more. Mm. There were people in the department, there was a group of inspectors that were hugely innovative and they had blazed a trail. But now in 97, we finally had a strategy. So I think SESI has always, 
been a key source of influence for the department in terms of what is the thinking of this uh, group? Um, I I think I think everything everything you mentioned is absolutely. Right. I I love um, I love Elizabeth to bits. Um, and the first time I met her, I was very intimidated because I I know her for a long time, like about following what she's doing. And hmm. I remember I distinctly remember sitting down in a coffee shop with her one morning after sessy meet or some gathering of 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 nerds of like minded uh, people yeah, yeah. sitting down and i said what well, elizabeth what do you how what in like how do you describe sessy do, do you, like what's the future of sessy or how how do you describe it and she said quite without even thinking she said sometimes i believe we're fighting above our weight belt or yes. weight limit yes I agreed. I I think we're fighting alongside. I think SESI as an organization is fighting alongside. I don't believe we're fighting above uh, our our weight limit at all. Um, mm. I mean, yeah. because of the people, because of the makeup, because of the teachers, SESI yeah. is a force to be reckoned with. I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have to put it in perspective. I mean, it's a voluntary organization. Uh, you know, people are giving up their time freely, um, and you know. Um, and a lot of people have been so, so generous with their time and with their views over the years. And uh, I, I see it as a learning organization. I know that's a, a much abused term, you know, but it is a place um, where you can you go to learn. And, you know, it, there are different um, special interest groups within SESI. There are those who are particularly interested in particular types of technology. There are others who are interested in particular areas of the system, uh, whether that's special ed or, or you know, primary or post-primary or whatever uh so it, it, it is a it is a place that attracts people in if they are looking and again i use that word at the beginning a tribe mm. that are interested um in things that they are interested in so it's a very it, it's amazing um actually that you know it has continued to to evolve and to grow over the years because uh you know it shows it just shows how valued it is in the landscape of Irish education. When do you think we're going to see, and this is this is a tough question and it's not on the script, but one of the mm. things I meet every single day in my work with schools is the issues with IT in schools. When do you think, or who do we have to talk to, to say that schools need... Um, and this is sounding like me looking for a job. I'm not. I have a job. Thanks very much. <laughs> when are schools going to get their, their IT person, like the county council have 15? And yeah, yeah. Well, surely yeah, yeah. somebody, surely somebody somewhere at government level went, do you know what? We could create employment by. Hmm. Well, yeah, look, it's a key. Okay, I got to answer it in a kind of a roundabout way. Okay. Uh, it's a very important piece of the jigsaw. I have just spent the last two days at a European online event looking at the enabling factors around implementing digital education in a school system, ecosystem. One of the key areas that came up from across the European 27 member states is this issue of tech support. And technical support has been there since the very beginning since when I started in the department, when I was seconded into the National Centre for Technology and Education in 98. Uh, I have recently done work last 
and this time last year, November, December, with the department, we did some consultations around the new digital uh, strategy, which was published earlier this year. And number one issue that was coming up was technical support. And uh, so the, the, the people in the department are very aware of it, and I know they are very keen to do something on it. Um, but going back to this point that I, where I started about the whole of government approach, this is something the Department of Education on their own can't solve. And I think there is a, there, they are certainly looking at, at other, how can they do this in a way that is sustainable? I think that's a key point, how it's sustainable and that it's, that it's equitable and accessible to all. So I do think we need to address it. It certainly is the elephant in the room because I'm reminded I'm a big fan of Larry Cuban. Uh, who has written a lot of books, but one of them, one of my favorite books is called Teachers and Machines. Now, I'm going to paraphrase Larry Cuban for a moment, but he gives a great example in that book around the blackboard and the reason why it's been so successful and why it's been used across the world. One, it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's flexible. You can use colored chalk. And number three, it never breaks down. So until we reach a stage that there is some form of technical support because teachers are certainly not uh, technicians. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be running around uh, with screwdrivers trying to fix things, even though if you have one in your school that has that skill set, you they, they're like gold. Yes. You're going to really mind them. Now, I do know that the department are thinking about a new position in school. So we used to have a thing called the ICT coordinator, which in the main actually was that technical person. And many of those people were very involved in SESI because they were very technical people. But there is a new role that the department see, and it's more of a pedagogical role of using the technology to support teaching, learning and assessment practices. But it's not a one. It's not an either or. We do need tech support. We do need models uh, that are sustainable, as I said. Uh, And when we are providing funding to schools for equipment, whatever that is, that there is, you know, in that we are thinking and this again came up in the last few days around refresh and maintenance, Mm. because that is the way it works. These things break. My own computer actually died on me earlier today when I was on a meeting. Okay, I knew what to do. But if that happens to you in a school and if it happens to you on a regular basis, you won't be doing this again. Yeah, exactly. And and that's uh, most of my time. um, My time is split evenly, I'd, I'd say, between fixing and teaching uh, or not teaching students but working with 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 teachers yes and that's that's what i love doing yes turn it off and back on again you know yes i look after the network if it falls over or do whatever i can but my the hap my happiest times is when teacher turn around to me and says i wonder how how will we do this or i'd love my favorite my, my favorite moment was a teacher who never used powerpoint asked me i'd like to use powerpoint in my class any suggestions and I was explaining about moving forward and back and I said you know what I'll sit in the class because the students don't see me anymore I'm invisible it's great I'll sit in the class and I'll know by your cue what the next slide is and this is happened recently and that to me enabled that teacher to use PowerPoint and the role is there for the IT person. And I think we've all, I've spoken about it often enough. I am that IT guy like that's you know, get me to do it. But I think there's a layer to be added to that role and that's a trainer. So an IT trainer, I think there there could be something there. Yeah, no, definitely. And again, 
um, as you were talking there, uh, and there's there's quite a lot of innovative practice in our own systems. Okay, again, as I mentioned, SESI covers primary, uh, post-primary, uh, further education, and higher education, and particularly in the further education and training space where John Heffernan now is working himself at the moment, there has been a lot of movement by certain ETBs around the country to do mentoring programs. Right, so I do a lot of work with Donegal ETB, and we have just finished. Uh, we call it a, t- a technology enhanced learning mentoring program. Actually, in Donegal, they call it the Buddy Up program. Mm-hmm. I call it the Sit by Nelly or the Sit by Hassan. Yeah. OK, so, you know, this is the reality. And again, the department are actually aware of this. And they they heard this coming through on the consultations that, you know, there are people in our schools who are absolutely brilliant teachers, but they need somebody. A course isn't going to cut it for them. They need somebody who's going to sit beside them and help them and do as you did in that classroom. And so therefore, when we talk about support ecosystem, it's more, as you said yourself, it's more than IT support. It's that trainer role, mentoring role, et cetera. And again, I think we need to think about how we can develop that in a sustainable way in our schools, because there is a cost attached to digital. And we have to be just upfront and say it. And the question then is, if we're using this public money and parents' money for digital in our schools, what impact is it having? And is it really helping the student? Uh, so I think these are that's a different question, but it does need to be supported. I I I completely agree with you. I th- I th- I do think it's a different question, but I think it's a tale of the original question. So if you enable the teacher, and the teacher is doing something that they never did before, and they enjoy doing it, they enjoy teach. I enjoy teaching maths like this, or I enjoy teaching yes. geography using Google, whatever. And it, then then that's amazing. That that's a thing. But I, I'm frustrated, and I'll move on from the point. I am frustrated because I can see the position. I can see the education centers. I can mm-hmm. see what the ETB are doing. I can see my school who, or one of my schools, one of my many schools who, who aren't necessarily ETB. I can see what they're doing. And damn me if I cannot connect the dots. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Look, yeah, look, I, and I look, I know and we'll move on, but yeah. it is, I think all I can say on that is, right, is that I think in Ireland we're trying to, we are trying to grapple with it. We're not ignoring it. Uh, in fairness to the department, they are listening, but it's not an easy one. No. Uh, yeah. But, but, but again, going back to Larry Cuban, if we don't address it, things are not, we, there is a danger. Like I, I remember hearing a really inspiring primary teacher. I won't name the town, but she was in a new school and she had no broadband. And this teacher had some brilliant ideas on how to use digital technology with her students in a really active, engaging way. But she didn't have internet. So, Mm. you know, there were other challenges there. And that's a technical problem as well. So she had to just tear it all up and think about doing it a different way. And I think that shows the resilience of our teachers as well, that they are, uh, you know, they're flexible and they're whatever, that they can actually change in a moment if the thing drops or if it's not working. And, oh, okay, you know, but that's only sustainable for so long, you know. It is. And look, at I, I... I've said it before and I'll say it again and I'm not just saying this because the majority of our audience are teachers. It always amazes me as somebody coming from industry that I sit down, the time stops for nobody and teacher, the teacher doesn't stop. Like the teacher, deal with it, 
there's a situation, deal with it, move on. The start of the year, August, September, is the busiest time in a school. It doesn't matter what's broken. Every, I, I'll stop and I'll go, oh, well, what am I going to do now? They, you, you don't think like that. You think there's a problem. Yeah. I'm either going to deal with it or I'm going to work around it and deal with it again. Time yes. stops for nobody. So back to yeah. the whole SESI, we, we spoke about the greatest impact of SESI, and I think SESI is always having an impact. It, it, it's always, always there. Now, offline, and I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, we spoke about the question, the biggest missed opportunities in technology education in Ireland over the past few years. And both myself, I like that question. Uh, John put it in there. We, we spoke about the question itself. You, you, let's, let's ask the question about the question. It's not your, what wouldn't be your favorite question? No, I, I kind of, yeah, I suppose I was saying to you off air when I looked at the question, I kind of thought, hmm, it looked a little negative to me, okay. uh, you know, and that I was looking to find, uh, and, and when we were chatting, you know, we were kind of talking about, oh, if we gave one to one to every student and, and, and all of this, mm -hmm. I, 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 I would actually look at it slightly differently. Um, I mean, I, I think I am in the main glass half full, but I think we need to be, I, th I think for one moment, we need to uh, acknowledge that we're actually doing a lot right in Ireland, despite all the challenges we have, okay? There are member states, European countries that have a lot bigger challenges in this area than we have. And again, I think SESI has played a big, a very big part in ensuring that we are where we are. Uh, however, um, I do think that we are at a very interesting crossroads now, post-COVID. Um, and I suppose, I think this is where the opportunity is. And I suppose, as I look down the road, I'm asking myself, will it be a missed opportunity? So I'm kind of reframing your question. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? Uh, over the last 12 months, I've had the opportunity to speak to various groups. Um, and the assumption is kind of like this. Post-COVID, uh, we are going to be moving into a new area. It's going to be a new normal and everything is going to be digital. And I'm not so sure. Mm. Okay. Uh, again, I... Um, with a colleague, Deirdre Butler, who was also very involved in in SESI, um, with me when uh, you know around uh, in the in the year that I was very involved, um, we've created a little timeline. We call it AC. Uh, sorry, we we yeah we call it BC before COVID, DC during COVID, and AC after COVID. Okay, so we got AC DC in there. Right. But right, so I mean, what we're saying is there was a lot going on before COVID, but during COVID we had this explosion we were forced to use digital uh to do a thing in the beginning which was called emergency remote teaching but it was really the use of online and the use of the internet now for many it was okay for some it was dreadful and for others it was magnificent so i think we need to be careful now there's an opportunity and teachers at that time invested a huge amount of energy and time in developing their digital skills so now what I would love to see, the opportunity that I see is how can we take that learning on all that time that was put in? And now that they're back in their classrooms in person, how can they continue to use those digital skills to enhance teaching, learning and assessment? That's where I think the opportunity is. And I hope we don't lose it. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I believe we, we learn by what doesn't work. 
um, without simplifying, oversimplifying John's question, uh, yeah. we learn by what, what doesn't work. One of the things I, I, I will ask in schools is what, what works for you, but more importantly, what doesn't work? Yes. Because let's remove that. My job as a technologist, as an educational technologist, is to remove the obstacles that are in your way to becoming, uh, to, to use technology effectively in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. And I think, I think this is an area, this is an opportunity now. And I think, again, I was talking to another colleague of mine, uh, Harvey Meller, who does a lot of work with me. Harvey used to work in the Institute of Education in London, and he's a lot more experienced, <laughs> a lot more wily than I on this area. But I, I mean, okay, you, you, you said at the very beginning, I mean, the, like, we've had computers in schools, uh, in a select few schools since the 1950s. So let's not forget that. Right. Uh, so, you know, we're 70 years on now. Um, but what we what we're still missing is answering that question. We we need a lot more examples of how people are using digital to solve some of those problems, you know, in good ways. So we need more examples of what are the maths teachers doing? How are they doing it? We need more examples of the history teachers. How are people in primary using it to develop literacy skills or numeracy skills? And you might say, God, we don't have that seventy years on. Well. We don't have enough of it because we have new tools and we have new we have new contexts. So I think it's about it's about grasping the situation. And and ultimately, what we have now is teachers and students, learners have more choices. So the teacher who's back in their classroom and they go, oh, thanks for the goodness. I'm no longer online from my bedroom or whatever. Mm. Yes, that's great. You're now back in your classroom. And you've learned all these digital skills. Can you use them? Is it appropriate? Where would they fit? And will it help the learning? And I think that is where we're at at the moment. And I think the challenge is, how can we address the people who are saying, oh, look, we did that. That online learning was a disaster. Well, it actually wasn't really online. That was an emergency response. It wasn't fully planned or fully designed. But imagine if you could combine that with what you're doing in the face-to-face, -face, things like the flip classroom, which I'm a huge fan of, then, oh, that could work. Oh, I see. And get them to think about that and getting them to really think about how we can use these tools to enhance or improve what we're trying to do in our classrooms. That's where I think the opportunity is. Uh, we spoke to Kate Malloy on this very podcast. And, and Kate, we were, one of the things that I, I, I asked Kate at the, I was asking all guests, I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll put it your way as well, is the reflection process. So, the during COVID, the post COVID. So now we need to stop, drop and reflect. So we need to go, yes. what, what worked, what yes. didn't work? How can we move forward? I think there's an obstacle that's going to be presented. The, how, how do I say this? There's, there's loads of teachers out there who have used technology, who mm. have embraced technology yeah. who felt that the learning was, yeah, okay, I liked it, who don't believe they've used it. So they don't even know what they've, they don't realize the impact of what they've done. Like last week or last or three years ago, you didn't know what the PowerPoint is. Three years later, you're talking to me about embedding a lesson plan in a website. You go, what? <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, well, I, well, first of all, I am a huge believer in reflection. 
you know, I think uh, that teaching is a reflective profession. And if you don't reflect, well, sorry, you know, that's not <laughs> that's not a good thing. And I think we need to critically reflect. Now, that's not me. That, what I mean by critically reflect is not to be negative, but to think about, yeah, I try that. How did it go? I mean, I never teach the same thing the same way. You know, I mean, I could do a presentation last week. And if somebody said, Michael, will you give the same presentation next week? I'll definitely change something because I think you have to reflect back. And I think that critical reflection um, is vital. And in all of the stuff I do, we, we engage in. And I can see, I agree with you, Hassan. I think some people look at me and go, why are you asking me to look back? You know, I just want to forget about it. Well, yeah, I, I know it was tough, but think about some of the things that really worked. And I've heard some wonderful stories of things that worked. And I've heard stories of things that people tried that they thought they could never do. And they were able to, to uh, activate it. And the biggest thing was the learners loved it. Mm. So I think it's taking those little nuggets and figuring out, how can I take that forward? How can I replicate it again now that the context is different? So I think that's what we really need to do. And it's accessibility as well. It's access, yeah. Accessibility is a big thing for all learners. Um, what I found with, what I heard with, with COVID when it came to online learning and everybody had access, but there was also those who didn't have access. So let, we, we'll, we'll deal with that now in a second, but everybody had access and that got me thinking that the learning space, the classroom has remained the same for years and years and years. Now we're reinventing the learning space. Correct. That's key. Well, I'm, I'm, this is an area I'm really interested in, right? There's a guy, an Australian researcher called Peter Goodyear, and there are others in this space. So there's a couple of things there. I, I agree with you completely. We have traditionally developed all of our activities um, around this physical space, and we have different technologies in there, books and boards and all sorts of other things, pencils and biros and paper and whatever. But during COVID, we got a glimpse of this other space, which is a virtual space, and it can enhance, it can connect to our physical spaces. Now, I'm a big fan of online learning. I, I managed uh, an online teacher master's program for Hibernia College for a number of years, and that was the base of my doctoral research. So I'm a fan. Okay, when it's done well, but when it's done poorly, it's like any teaching; it's not it's not effective. So now, I think the question is: we have these new spaces. We have new tools. How can we use the uh, traditional spaces and these new spaces to have an impact on the lives of learners? That's what I think we really need to be thinking about. One of the things we know about about digital education, and it's it's in all the policy documents, is it it references active learning. So the role of the learner being active. And I remember being on a online meeting during COVID and there was a group on uh, from Portugal and one of the participants spoke to me about his children, two boys, who uh, really loved lockdown, COVID-19, the early stages, because they were able to engage in project-based learning and their teachers gave them projects to engage in. They were able to connect with learners in other parts of the world, etc., etc. So I do think that there is um, a wonderful opportunity for more of that active learning. I'll use the word active learning. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I, in my own work, we do an awful lot of work around cooperative learning. Again, it's 
it, it's in this idea that the teacher is not just this, uh, you know, and um, it's an old term, the sage on the stage, just mm-hmm. filling, you know, think of grad grind, hard times, filling vessels, you know, th- that the role of the teacher is much more complex than that, that they are designing and the word designing comes into this um, discussion as well. They're designing learning experiences. Uh, they are differentiating. You know, you you said inclusive. They are using and they they they're using the technologies in a way, and they are becoming more of a facilitator or a guide on the side. Now, to do that well is very complex, and it takes a highly competent teacher to do it. And I think giving up a little bit of and this is one of the things that I'm trying to do with the groups I work with is to not to feel that they have to do all the work, that the students have to do more of the work. And I'm involved in a very interesting project at the moment, which we're doing with Sligo Education Centre around this thing called self-regulated learning. So that's managing your learning. And for project-based learning, our students need that skill as well. So yes, I'm, I'm in total agreement there. Um, and look at, Michael, I could talk to you about this for, for, for forever and ever. I think it brings us back to what what SESI, what SESI can do and what SESI stands for, and indeed the SESI list, which seems like such a simple idea, but it's very, it's like the power of the list, the power of the, the, the mehel, like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that group. Yeah. It's, it's, it's looked over and it's people go ah yeah but it's it's more than just a list it's more than just a community yeah and i mean you you've highlighted this and again i would have been on the list at one point but i've dropped off it i'll have to be honest uh, and i better get back on it um you know i some of my colleagues that work with me are on the list and i think i think it is this space um i i'm i'm more of a you know, a coffee and a chat person, I have to say it myself, uh, even on, on other social media like Twitter, which I've been on for many years, I'm more of a, a, a you know, a watcher and harvester, I suppose, than, than ga- getting into a conversation. But that's just me. Um, but I do think discussion, at the end of the day, all of these tools that are helping us to have meaningful discussions where we can engage in a respectful way with other colleagues and others and learn, I think, is hugely valuable. And that, to me, is what organisations like the Computer Education Society of Ireland have always been. They have been welcoming spaces where people can go, they can ask those questions that maybe they were afraid to ask others. Uh, They were able to uh, congregate around the issues that they were having themselves, which maybe other people in schools didn't want to hear about. so, you know, it has always been that space. And, you know, one other thing there about, you know, things that they, that SESI has contributed to, one area that I think it has definitely contributed to, and I didn't mention, is the whole uh, development of the uh, computer science curriculum at uh, Leaving Search, you know, because that's been on the agenda from, you know, that's kind of connected with the name, you know, Computer Education Society of Ireland. So, and Elizabeth, going back to the, the founding uh, members, it was very much in that informatics, computer science uh, area. And I think that's a huge uh, plus for the system. Uh, the only challenge we have there is how do we get more students to take that subject? How do we make it more available to more students around the country that may not have somebody qualified to teach computer science in their classroom? But again, that's another day's work. 
And look, it's, I'm I'm involved with 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 Maker Meet. What we do is, I want to introduce maker spaces. I believe classrooms uh, have yeah. been maker spaces ever since the first uh, Christmas card was made for a parent going home. It's been a maker space. I love that yes. idea. Of, yes. Of, maker ed maker education michael i could talk to you for the next four to seven hours tell us about uh, some of the some of the projects you have coming up or is there anything in particular you want to talk to us about yeah look no look we've had a wonderful conversation and i know people are probably going over they're going to ever stop but uh yeah no look i'm involved in a couple of interesting things um I, as i said i'm doing a lot of work at, at the european level at the moment i'm very privileged to be working around a lot of issues around the digital education action plan i suppose the takeaway i take from that is that we in Ireland are doing doing a lot in that space. We have a very interesting project with uh, the department and with the PDST, with Anthony Kilcoyne, around artificial intelligence for teachers. And so that's, that's uh, we're going to be piloting with a group of post-primary teachers, a MOOC on AI for teachers in the coming months. And our, my good friend, Deirdre, Professor Deirdre Butler up in DCU is going to be evaluating that uh, in the spring. Um, yeah, I mentioned the, the self-regulated learning project. I think that's really good. Um, but ultimately, I'm still doing the same thing I did at the beginning. It's trying to figure out how do we use digital technology to really support teaching, learning and assessment, to make it more enjoyable for teachers, to make it more engaging for their learners. And that's really what I'm all about. Um, and thankfully, I'm still learning every day. Uh, always stay learning. Always stay learning. Michael, how can people get a, get a hold of you? Um, yeah, Scanlon? look... Yeah, the easiest way to get me is if you just um, do a Google search for Michael Hallisey. And if you want to email me, it's mhallisey, H-A-L-L-I-S-S-Y, at h2.ie. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, so you can follow me there. Um, uh, I do retweet every so often. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'd be happy to chat to anyone. And Hassan, it's been a real pleasure to meet you. And I look forward to the physical meeting in the not too distant future. So thank you for having me. Uh, look, thanks for thanks for joining us, and Michael, uh, stay learning. I certainly will. No choice. <laughs>